Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources. All right, welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about kind of innovation in neuropsychology, but also in kind of rehabilitative medicine and cognitive functioning and training. We're joined today by Dr. Jen uh, Sumner, and she is, you know, a, a clinical neuropsychologist and is somebody who's going to be talking a lot about how to blend some of the best of evidence-based practice in a way that is really helping individuals to maximize their potential. This can lead to working in populations such as people that might be struggling following a concussion, people struggling following stroke, traumatic brain injury, you know, anything kind of in that space. You know, Jen is going to provide us with a lot of insight into how and where this field is going. And it's very, very exciting. So she, she'll provide great insight onto where we're currently at. But I think will also be really interesting to hear her perspective about where she sees the field going. So I feel really privileged to have Jen with us here today on the Brain Mastery Podcast. So you're going to want to listen up to this episode as it's going to be a lot of tidbits that I think are going to be really practical take-homes for people that are listening here today. So again, today, in terms of an introduction, we have Dr. Jen Sumner, who is someone in, in the leadership of the Kaizen Brain Center in San Diego, California. I'm extremely jealous as I sit here in Vancouver, British Columbia. I've spent some time down in Southern California. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. And it's a place where some really, really important work is going on at the Kaizen Brain Center. At Kaizen, you know, Jen works with patients and works with her team, not only on the assessment, you know, really good kind of assessment and interdisciplinary assessment, but also generating really strong treatment plans, helping people to really maximize their recovery process in a way that's completely interdisciplinary and focused on helping that individual to get the most out of their rehabilitation as possible so that they can then transition on and live the highest quality of life possible. So Jen, is there anything I kind of missed in your bio for our listeners here today? No, I think you hit the important points. I, um, like you said, have a background in neuropsychology and I'm trying to apply it in a more rehabilitative framework. I love that. I mean, it's something that I really respect about so many neuropsychologists when compared to neurologists, you know, neurologists are wonderful and they're so great at diagnosing, you know, challenges. But what I love about neuropsychologists is yes, they're diagnostic, but they're also looking to find ways to bring that diagnosis into rehabilitation. So, you know, I want to commend you and thank you for that commitment that you're doing in the clinical work that you've obviously committed your career to. Thank you. You know, for people that are listening here on the Brain Mastery Podcast, we've got people who that listen to this. These can be people that may have suffered a brain injury. These could be people that are working in the space as neuropsychologists, as physiatrists, as community support workers, counselors, and kind of everything in between. These can also be individuals that are just really passionate about the topic. These can be personal injury lawyers and everything in between. 
what's a main message from your lens and all the great experience that you have in this space around your lens and, and the world of brain health? What's a main message that you'd like for people to better understand about this world of brain injury, brain health, and the whole, you know, industry as a whole? It's really hard to narrow it down to one thing. I, I think I get on my soapbox for several different main messages, but if I had to, to pick one, I think it's really important to get the word out that there are things you can do. Yeah. So many people are told that this is it, right? They leave their provider's office and they think, wow, this is the rest of my life. And Maybe they're given a couple of different recommendations to try here or there, but nothing that really elicits hope for lasting change. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a huge disservice to people, to the patients, to their families, because they're missing out on some really important opportunities to exercise change in their life that can really give them more function. I love that. And hey, don't, don't see it as a soapbox is a bad thing. I mean, you're clinically, you're in this space. And I think that's such an incredibly important point because so many people are, and I think it's done with good intention, you know, that the assessment, you know, helps us to understand, okay, here's where we're at right now. However, what is challenging for that, that diagnostician to understand is what is the burning desire inside of that individual to work towards coordinating their efforts towards some level of recovery. And that's hard for the assessor <laughs> to understand throughout that process. Well, and I think they need to take it upon themselves to learn what's available, which is hard because things are changing rapidly in the field. And, you know, I get it. I have a stack of journal articles I need to read that I'm way behind on. There's things that I've had patients bring up to me and I'm like, oh, I've I've never heard of that. Okay. And then I look into it. So it is hard, but they might be able to offer some new insights to patients that they didn't know about, you know, maybe above and beyond physical therapy or occupational therapy or, you know, your neurology visit. So I think one, providers need to take it upon themselves to learn new information and two, give patients some hope. Yes, it's important to be realistic in the moment. You have to navigate mental health concerns on top of, of physical injuries. So you do need to be careful, but you know, there's a fine line between your idea of reality and then diminishing hope for somebody. Oh my God. I love that. And please, please, for people that are listening here, you know, you may want to rewind and listen to that because so many people that I have been fortunate enough to share space with have have come in to rehabilitation with one of the clinics that utilizes our program thinking there may not be hope for me you know that it's past a two-year window following my injury and i was told by a really good doctor that that's when any sort of rehabilitation is is to occur well the reality is that that's not true and that's the great thing about science and that's the great thing about academia too is it's constantly changing we're constantly asking new questions and then applying academic rigor to better understand and informing those questions through good clinical research. So things are always changing and there's always a chance with good applied effort to improve. What might that look like? Well, there's not promises necessarily, but, but with that focused effort, things can change. And I really love the way that you framed that. 
I mean, I hear that literature, you know, I, I read the literature says most improvement happens right within the first 90 days up to two years. But a lot of that research came prior to the advances in cognitive training, cognitive rehabilitation. And so as we come up with more services, the research will change, like you said. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And we just need to keep on, on top of that, you know, and, and I really enjoy that. There's so many good researchers out there doing wonderful work in this area. The reality is it takes time. And in the meantime, we have to do the best that we can with what we've got, you know, uh, deploying the kind of resourcing that may be able to help the individual regain as much as, as possible. And, and that's, I think, the best we can do at, at this point. And, and we are seeing great things, as I'm sure you'll, you'll inform us. At Kaizen, we want to learn more about some of the things, uh, the great work that you're doing there around, you know, this space. So something around this work that, you know, maybe you hinted at it a little bit earlier, but doing things, things that are really quite innovative and, but evidence-based, but innovative. You know, when we think about this work and, you know, surely sometimes frustration will come up, you know, if they were only limited to one thing, though, that kind of frustrates you about this work, you know, what might that one thing be? Because it was quite clear in the main message, there's a great reason for optimism here, you know, and it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it, because there's going to be more and more options for people to regain some of what they lost. And what's so exciting is they're able to really be their own kind of hero in some of that journey. When we think about what frustrates you, though, what might be that one, maybe two things that 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 frustrate you about this work? I don't get frustrated. Come on. <laughs> um, okay. Of course not. <laughs> you know, one thing that frustrates me is when I see people come into the office that have been going from doctor to doctor, retelling their stories over and over again. And there's no continuity in care. I feel like people are then taking one or two steps forward and five steps backwards. And the frustration that causes then leads people to stop, you know, trying to stop persevering. And so the frustration with the lack of continuity of care and interdisciplinary communication, doctors do not talk to each other enough, mm-hmm. not just doctors, other, you know, therapists, providers. Yeah. And they missed out on really important information and, you know, the timeliness of specific recommendations. So, you know, at Kaizen, one of the things we really do pride ourselves in is having a house of multiple providers. You know, we need the neurologists to do a neuro exam. We need neurologists that are headache specialists or manage pain. We need psychiatrists to manage medication. We need neuropsychologists to give accurate cognitive assessments. It's so helpful to have everyone in-house that can then meet as a team and talk about each patient. And in addition, move them through services faster because patients often wait, you know, three months for a follow-up appointment or for their first consultation. And that's a lot of time for them to just be getting waiting and wondering, okay, well, what could I do with myself right now? Totally. And that's a real shame. And I, and you know what? It's solvable. That's the, 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 yeah. what I love about your saying. As, as I think this is something we can do something about and relatively quickly, yeah. uh, you know, that communication can happen and it can be hard with multiple assessments that, that are needed. 
So it can be hard to chart that and to make sure that that information is available. But again, as you know, Peter Drucker said, what gets measured gets managed. So I think there's a way and I know there's a way and it just takes that, that focus to be able to really leverage on those great admin people that we all have and lean so much on to help us to ensure that, no, this is the way we need to do it because our patients require it of us because there's so much collateral damage, you know, for an individual, what I, over the years have really worked with my staff on is for them to pick up the phone and say they need help right now. That's extremely hard to do for all of us. I think I know it is for me. So that is the most essential, important time for us to be there and to listen. And each time we go for that follow-up meeting, sometimes for that individual, like with anything in our lives, they sometimes don't distill the difference between neuropsychologist and physiatrist. It's the doctor. And right. what the doctor says goes. So yeah. if, if, we, if we can find ways to better share that information in a way that is best for the patient, right? beautiful, right? Well, so. and when you're working with people that have acquired brain injury, the likelihood that there's a cognitive deficit that may get in the way of time management, you know, planning, scheduling, right? That's going to happen. And so if we're in this field, we need to take on the responsibility of, you know, holding our patient's hand through the process. The idea that, you know, you can tell someone, you know, make the follow-up with the front desk on your way out or call us to make sure, like it's, it's unrealistic. And that's a burden that you're placing on the patient. And it doesn't we can, have to be better. We can take we, responsibility. Oh, I love it. That's yeah. amazing. Yes. I love it. And very, very well said. And it's not necessarily easily done, but I think with focus, it's something that absolutely can be done. And, you know, I've seen it done in some clinics actually very well. So I know we can do it. I understand that frustration, but when you think about your hope for the future in this work, and maybe you can go a little bit into some of your experience with Kaizen, you're doing impressive, important work there. When you think about your hope for the future in this work, what would that look like? You know, if we kind of gave you the crystal ball and you could shape that future, what would that look like for you? I really think there's benefit in talking to other disciplines about tools that may cross over into different diagnoses. For instance, using something like transcranial magnetic stimulation, that's something we use at Kaizen, which has typically been a treatment used for depression, looking at the mechanisms of how those tools work and seeing if that can also work with somebody that may have a traumatic brain injury or someone with dementia. There are so many different tools out there that we haven't used maybe in an off-label way, meaning not as they're necessarily prescribed, maybe really effective and may move us forward in technology for TBI or dementia. And so talking to other disciplines, understanding the mechanisms behind the tools they use, seeing if we can apply them in our own fields is going to help us move forward at a much faster rate than just staying in our lane. Like we've got to cross lanes. We've got to share the road. Love that. Wow. Totally agree. And I think we've seen it in so many other fields of medicine. And really that's the way that innovation happens is to look at what's going on in other areas and then applying some of what is working really well there into our field, if we can see that application. So seeing that kind of cross-pollination, it's really how these, the change happens. I love what you said. 
So obviously, clearly very well-read person, extremely intelligent. When you think about this work, maybe if you wouldn't mind, and again, again, always being humble, which I love, but at Kaizen, how is this hope for the future being, being realized when you think about your clinical work right now, today, here, here yeah. and now? Well, I mean, first of all, we participate in several clinical studies. Research is a really big part of our clinic. I'd say all of us as providers at Kaizen have worked in research for years. So we value the evidence-based approach and, and continually staying in that. And then, like I said earlier, trying different tools off-label, that's something that's been really important. Love it. A lot of people with brain injury feel like they've tried everything and there's nothing else left. And we really want to give more choices to patients. They don't always work. And I think a willingness to experiment and be flexible is really important. But I think trying, right? Just trying and having the mindset that we're going to look at something and be like, hey, you know, this is worth a shot. Let's see what happens. And when we do that, sometimes we find some new, you know, new mechanisms of change. And it's really, you know, exciting for us because then we can apply it to more patients and kind of spread the love. For sure. Yeah, I love it. So practically speaking, you know, we use TMS, we use neurofeedback, we use different types of medication. So many people with TBI also suffer with mood disorders. And so we want to be really mindful of treating uh, mental health along with the physical organic injuries we have because they create a lot of um, crosstalk in terms of deficits and healing. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. makes sense. And uh, I love what, I love what you're doing. I, I think it's, it's so needed. When we think about for people that are listening here, was there one or two kind of key pieces of research or books that helped to shape your mindset or even people? Was there one professor that stood out that really helped to shape your mindset and your vision into this work, you know? If there's one that really sticks out, that'd be great, but maybe there's two. You know what? I had an incredible mentor in graduate school, Aaron Bigler. He's a world-renowned neuropsychologist, but he has the most generous heart and he saw patients as people. And even in lectures, when he would talk about an evaluation or, you know, even a case that he was, you know, part of he always talked about the person as this whole individual. And that's really shaped my approach to neuropsychology. Love it. That these are whole beings come, coming into you that have injury, but they also have different family dynamics, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different you know, educational opportunities. These people may be struggling with their own mental health issues, job challenges, so really taking a moment to sit with a patient and hear them before you dive into any assessment or any rehab, I think that's going to give you more bang for your buck than any other tool you use. So huge. And I love, you're the first person to really say it in, in that way. You know, when I first got into the learning disability work, there was such focus on the disability and, and something that one of my mentors, Howard Eaton, really drilled into me was it's the person first. Mm -hmm. So even how we say, you know, it's, you know, mark this person that has dyslexia, 
mm-hmm. you know, not the disability before and right. or the condition right. before. Yeah. So we need true. to focus on that more. I see so many people coming in and they feel like a number and that's just discouraging. Like we don't need to promote that kind no. of feeling in patient no. care. And it reduces engagement too. That's the other thing, right? I mean, you know, it, it, it's demotivating, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really fixed in terms of, it promotes that fixed mindset instead of the growth because we're not going to want to put that effort in there if, if we've been limited before our name. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So now for people that are listening here, these are going to be people I'm sure that are going to want to learn more about you. How do we get in touch with you? How do we get in touch if we live in Southern California? How do we reach Kaizen? How do people reach you and get a hold of you and learn more about the services that you can offer to them? We do have a website, kaizenbraincenter.com. Not the easiest name to spell for some people. It's K-A-I-Z-E-N. Okay. The reason that name was chosen is because it means a continual growth. It's a Japanese word for continual growth, which is a big love it. kind of theme of our practice. I've just started since this summer to manage an Instagram site to get information at. That's at Dr. Jennifer Sumner. So Dr. Jennifer Sumner. Okay. Uh, I will tell you, we are revamping our website right now. So it may be shut down for a little bit, but hopefully not for too long. I do think it's up right now. Okay. Or um, just go on the Kaizen website and find my email. That's great. You know, thank you so, so much for everything you're doing. I love your level of clarity in this work. It, it can be the kind of work that can, that can lead to distraction and lack of clarity because there's so much to do but I love your your sense of clarity and focus of what you need to do and in order to further and move the needle I absolutely respect it and love it and I'm sure this is the start of many conversations with you and your team about this work so I just I again I want to thank you for being a part of uh, sharing your message here today with our listeners I really enjoyed it thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening to the Brain Mastery Podcast brought to you by ABI Wellness. Be sure to follow us on social media channels at ABI Wellness. The statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the Bears platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The Bears platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice. <laughs>